Welcome to Canadian Politics is Boring! Hello and welcome to a, another episode of Canadian Politics is Boring. I am Reese Waters and with me is the uh, impenetrable Jesse Harley. Impenetrable! Nothing can penetrate this exterior of... Like a 1960s era bunker. Yep, I'm. that's how a lot of women describe me. Yeah, <laughs> covered in moss and leaky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, I can't tell you how many times I've been told that's... Yeah. Yeah. Jesse, you mean the guy who's covered in moss and is leaky? Yeah, right? Okay, yeah, that's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, yeah. that's you on your dating profile online. I've had so much coffee, oh my God. <laughs> so I, I'm really excited to do this episode. This is a really cool story. Okay. Are uh, we are we, are we diving d- right in? No, d- no small gonna, talk? Do you want to do small talk? I don't know. Have you, got, have you got anything small happened that you'd like to talk about? Uh, I got my vaccine. Did you? I did. No, that wow. Was, yeah. It was fun. Not really. It How did sucked, it feel? Actually, it's well. It was painful. It was a needle in the arm, but like you know, I'm glad I got it done. Oh, thank God! I, I is the it does go in the arm. That's good. <laughs> I'm don't sure bo- you can ask for it anywhere you read online. Like so. I, Reese, if you wanted to, like you know, hike up your your shorts and and get it jabbed. I don't want to hike up my shorts. Trust me, I've been there. <laughs> you can get jabbed anywhere you want. I'm sure like like will probably oblige, but. Okay. What about in between my in between my eyes on my forehead? Oh, think? sweet God! Okay, this is no, this is too in between. Oh, please, sir, we do, we do insist on the arm. If I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask him if I can, you know, can live stream we, can, it when it happens. Can we, can we start this again? Because we're gonna gross out so many people talking about needles in between your eyes. No, this again. is all going in. Anyway, are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. People get really freaked out about that shit. <laughs> I don't. I'm fine. You can you can shove anything in my arm. It's oh my fine. god! Stop! No, this is not okay. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Nutella. Oh, I got a question for you. How come? Oh my god. Okay. How Nutella? The chocolate spread. How do you how do you say Nutella? Nutella. You say I've. Why do people say Nutella? I've heard people say Nutella because they're wrong. <laughs> I thought it was a Canadian thing where they sit, people sit called a Nutella, despite the fact it's made of nuts and the word nut is in the name. I don't know why you would not pronounce nut hour. I don't know why you go Nutella. You don't. Why would you soften the nut? <laughs> okay, this is, we're really, okay, that's fine. Let's, this is great uh, small talk. This is, great, this is fantastic small talk. It's been, okay, should, should we move you know, on it's to really, the content? You know, it's really funny. We just, we just came off of uh, recording some, some ads uh, for a sponsor and we had to really kind of watch what we said. And I feel like now Reese has bottled up all this, all this kind of inappropriate, inappropriate shit. And he just wants to like throw it all. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. Just get it all out, man. Just <sighs> Feels good. Anyway. <laughs> Do you want? Do you want to talk about my cool story? It's not my cool story. It's a cool story I found that I would like to share. Sure. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's called the Cold War hockey battle. The what? Cold War hockey battle. Cold do you know? War. Do you know? Do you know the Cold War? Do you know what the Cold War was? Yeah. Good. Uh, and you know what hockey is? Yeah. So have, have you heard of the Summit series? No. Uh, you love that I don't know shit, do you? This I do. Just I like, like, yes, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a knowledge god. <laughs> so I'm not. I just I have the internet. Um, 
So it, it was it was an eight-game hockey series between the Soviet Union and Canada held in September 1972. Well, it was kind of through the summer of 1972. With the um, same, like the same teams? The same teams playing each other eight times. Four games in Canada, four games in the Soviet Union. And Hold it on, was, they tie like seven freaking times or something? No, no, it was it was just set out to be eight games. The idea was they tore around the both countries playing. And it was supposed to be like a... Uh, a, te- a proof of like who was the best at hockey, but also it was kind of like a mixture of propaganda and kind of like friendship as well in terms of like a, f- a friendly sports contest between friendship two- and propaganda, friendship two- and propaganda. Well, the two pillars win. of hockey, yeah, that's- exactly. <laughs> <laughs> friendship, propaganda, and sponsorships. <laughs> <laughs> it was the first competition between the Soviet national team and a Canadian team that was uh, made up of. Uh, players from the NHL and they called themselves Team Canada. Um, and the idea was that the first four games would be held in Canada um, and the the final four would all be held in Moscow. And they were kind of, um, it, there was there, there was definite sense of nationalism. So it was a lot of national pride for the Canadians to want to be, beat the Soviet Union and also for the Soviet Union to show how dominant their and superior their system was and their, their sports. Their and system. Their, yeah, yeah, their system what's, of what's their, system? their ideology. But there's a thing. Have you ever communism? Are they still communist? No, they weren't. This is in the seventies, Jesse. Where back when they still were. Right. Okay, that's why I was asking. They're not still. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, no, so they were. They were trying to prove back then, historically, in the past, that they they had a better system. But they, what they didn't through know was playing hockey, through playing hockey, just to go. How hey, are you? How are you? Okay, hold on. Imagine, imagine if you're given the opportunity to try and humiliate the world's number one hockey playing nation of Canada. Soviet Union communism, no, through hockey. Where does communism tie into this? Well, it, it, that's the whole thing—is propaganda, isn't it? They try and prove that that they live they're living in a nope. utopia with this I'm new getting, system. Getting a phone call. You're on a phone call. Who is it? That's, that's not. I can't. Is it communism? It's, it's my buddy Howie. Hi, Howie. Um, not right now, bud. Sorry. I thought that might have been my 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 food coming. Did you order food while we record an episode? Maybe. I'm um, yeah, I'm hungry. Okay. I want some, yeah. well, anyway, are you, are you are hungry because you you don't even you're not even paying attention to this wonderful story. I just don't understand how communism and hockey tie well, together. It doesn't it's, it's them going it's two you had two sides, capitalism and communism, both trying to prove that the other was superior over over the other and that their whole system of of how they ran their country was was better than the other. So if they could beat them at hockey, it was another little getting one over. I'm not a sports guy, just so you know. I just don't. I was just talking about ca- communism and capitalism. What part of that do you think is sports? <laughs> I don't know. Apparently they're tied together somehow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's like, it's like, look at the Olympics. Look at Jesse Owens uh, winning and, and humiliating Hitler at the, uh, the Berlin Olympics. You know, he was an African-American who beat all of the supposedly superior Nazi. I didn't know that happened, but that's neat. Yeah, so that's how sport and politics can tie together. He basically shoved two fingers up Hitler's nose when he won his gold medal. He chose those metaphorically. metaphorically. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Metaphorically, you can chose anything. <laughs> so anyway, so there was a Canadian diplomat called Gary Smith who was responsible for sport and cultural exchanges between uh, Canada and, and and the Soviet Union, um, and they knew that the Soviets were looking for like a new uh, ice hockey opportunity. So he he basically met with um, the Soviet hockey boss uh, Andrea Statovoitov. Again, this is me. Instead of butchering French, we're going to butcher Russian this episode. Say it again. I want to hear you butcher Russian uh, as badly as possible. Andrei Starovotivov. Starovotivov. Yep. I'm going to say that's correct. 
It is. It's bang on. Anyway, um, so they, they really want, they, they basically said they wanted to play a series with this national team against like the best Canadian players. So the, the, the top Canadian players from the NHL, they didn't want to um, play anybody less than, than Canada's finest. So um, the Canadian ambassador, uh, Robert Ford, uh, passed the, the information on to Ottawa and they basically started to negotiate and nail down terms for the The ambassador series. for Canada's name was Rob Ford? Robert Ford, yeah. Really? How many Rob what? Fords are we getting well, I don't, in government it wasn't, in this it wasn't country? That no, I know, but still, it's like a. All right, that's just a weird coincidence. Please continue. Yeah, it was. Um, he received <laughs> this. Robert Ford received his BA in history and English in 1937 from the University of Western Ontario and an MA in history from Cornell University in 1940. So quite clearly, a dramatically different Rob Ford already. A right. different. He was the the he was the ambassador to Colombia, Yugoslavia, um, United Arab Republic, and the USSR. So you know, he did a lot of ambassador in. That's a word. That's the word. Um, so they selected uh, uh, a coach called Harry Sindel, and his job was to select Team Canada, and it was composed of uh, the NHL All Stars, and the Soviets named thirty one players, and they were all uh, basically. Uh, Olympic athletes who played hockey for the Soviet Union, and they were kind of a, a veteran team. So they, the Soviet team, they they were very few kind of like um, inexperienced uh, players. They were all kind of made up of very hardened Olympians who played lots of different competitions around the world. So it was uh, it was um, kind of it was it was serious. They were they were gearing up. There was uh, there was a lot of emotion tied into this. Everyone had something to prove, really. Okay. Um, but the, one of the things about the Soviet Union at this time was that they, obviously the NHL, they had very modern techniques to train players at the time. Um, but the Soviet Union was kind of training players in isolation. So Bobrov, who was the Soviet coach, uh, decided to give the Soviet players boxing lessons as part of the training. What? Um, Why? Because they were just training differently, they 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 were kind of they weren't aware of the modern or the the typical North American ice hockey training, so they were just do, making it up and doing their own thing. Or did they so, were they aware of how much Canadian hockey players like have fist fights on the ice and they go? Well, I don't know. Well, they got boxing lessons like, ready for uh, maybe maybe they watch. I think them, that's so, probably exactly what they watch Canadian yeah, yeah. hockey. They're like, oh <laughs> shit, that's that's part of the sport. They like every ten minutes, someone gets into a fist fight. Exactly. Well, we're not so going to let our guys lose a fist fight on the ice. Time exactly. To take boxing lessons for hockey. It's very very reasonable that was the case. So they they arrived in Montreal on August the thirtieth, and they stayed in the uh, the Queen Elizabeth Hotel, and they began uh, two two a day workouts um and they'd uh, been already they kind of acclimatized themselves to the time zone difference um and they were, yeah so they, they were training on montreal time two weeks before arriving so basically they were just living in a different time zone while right. still in in moscow so they were just ready. shit on a jet lag basically but. yeah yeah and, and going into this everybody assumed canada would win this very easily I'm, oh, they didn't. Okay. No, they did. They assumed Canada would win easily. So so like now, a lot of the top players in the NHL are Canadians. Even though a lot of the American teams is a you know, there's a, a hugely overrepresented with Canadian players. Interesting. Um, and and the National Hockey League was, you know, at the time was considered to be the best uh where the best hockey players in the world played, and the best players were largely Canadians at the time too, and kind of still are. It's a, obviously a decades long tradition. Um 
and the public kind of opinion of all the sports pundits and fans in North America and other countries was uh, that the Soviets would be no match for the for the best uh, of Canada's kind of players. Even even the Soviets kind of downplayed their chances slightly. They they were kind of being coy about it. Um, and the the team Canada coach Harry Sindel basically said Canada is first in the world for two things: hockey and wheat. Wheat, wheat. Yeah, Canada wheat. makes a lot of wheat. I, I, okay, that's not, yeah. I was going to say poutine, but sure. Yeah, wheat. We'll go with so that. can you guess what happened next? I'm guessing Canada beat Russia. No. So no. At, at the Montreal Forum on September the 2nd, in front of 18,000 fans, the Soviets beat Canada what? 7-3. Fuck off. Uh, and the, yeah, and the coach, Sindel, the Canadian coach said, he was basically stunned. I was stunned by their performance. Um, so, so apparently, the the former Montreal Canadiens coach Claude Ruel said that uh, they were that the Soviets forwards were some, one of the most finely honed units he'd ever seen. They were always moving, never standing around. They head headman the puck as well as anybody ever has, and they always seemed to be in the right place. So basically, they blew everyone away. Whatever the training techniques they come up with, uh, they they were just incredibly impressive and just completely surprised everyone. That's insane. I bet it's the boxing, right? Because when they got into fights, well, it wasn't the, just the, Cana- the Canadians are probably just like flailing around as they do. And these Rus- Russians are now have like trained boxing. <laughs> just like crack everyone. In the- so everyone's like all the Canadians are skating around with mild concussions. Exactly. Oh, oh my, my, my McDonald's. Is, is Did your food arrive? Yeah, I'm going to go get it. Oh Hold my on. God. You can just so, sit sorry. here with your own thoughts. Sorry, listeners. Well, anyway, I'm having a great time so far. I mean, who expected that? Who expected the... Uh, the Soviet Union to to beat Canada, but um, apparently as well, uh, Team Canada accidentally snubbed the Soviets by returning to the dressing room without shaking hands with them after the game. Um, and in the USSR, the team was celebrated into the early hours, uh, and lots of people in in uh, in the USSR had to take work off the next day because I imagine they consumed uh, huge amounts of um, uh, of vodka and other beverages to celebrate. Uh, I think this sounds like Jesse just fell over and landed on his on his fast food, hopefully, and is all over his chest and in his face. All right, there. Yeah. Did you get your McDonald's? Uh, yes, I did, and I, I I wish I were making this up, but um, I I ordered um, I ordered some cookies and a milkshake as well as some other food, and I got a handwritten note saying ice cream or milkshake machine not working. And no cookies with a bag full of cash, not full of cash, but a bag of cash, just a bag of money back. They just give me my money back in cash in a bag. So I'm like, that's not how this usually works, but okay. (laughs) You know, you know what this, you know what this hockey episode reminds me of Reese? Um, Adverts. Yep. Advertisements. It's the middle of the episode. Time for an ad. Yay. Do you want to count learning more about this wonderful event in history that involves sport and politics in a seamless blend of storytelling? I can't tell you how much I, you already know how much I don't like politics. I like sports just about as much. So this yeah, is the, just an enthralling this, episode for me. This isn't, this, but this isn't about, this isn't about politics. Or sport. This isn't this is, about you, Jesse. Yeah, and it's not about you. It's, this is about like, this is two, alter, two alternative ideologies and way of, ways of existing battling on, on the, on the ice. I still don't. Fuck, I still don't understand how. Well, anyway, and, anyway, and, and and hockey and communism. 
The second game was played at the Maple Leaf Gardens in Toronto. <laughs> just on ignore Jesse. Just yeah. ignore everything he's saying. Just keep going. So just, um, yeah. the second game, Canada won. So that's one to 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 the Soviet Union. What, one to what, Canada. Did, what was the score? Uh, 4-1 to Canada. So All right. the Soviet coaches blamed the loss on the referees. They said the American referees, Frank Larson and Steve Dowlin, let the Canadians get away with everything. Um <laughs> And the head of the USSR Hockey Federation uh, basically charged the door of the officials' dressing room and kicked chairs over in protest. Jesus. So uh, this yeah. is supposed to be a series of friendly games. Yeah, but is is the pressure on them from like two? It's two. The expectations of two different countries are on these people to to win and prove that they're the, the best they, at this sport. So like they were getting angry letters from the king of communism. Well, yeah, that, and, and and this is it. Is that what they had? Was it a king? Well, not the king Russia of communism. The, yeah, no? Doc, okay. doctor communism. Doctor, doctor professor. Doctor Com- professor communism. Yeah, lord. Um, Dr. Lord Professor. Doc, yeah, you're right. Okay. That's- so uh, game three was played in the Winnipeg arena on September the 6th and it ended up in a 4-4 tie right at the end. Oh, okay. Um, so that must have really pleased Dr. Professor Lord King exactly. Communism. Well, so yep, so now it was, it was, they both won a game and now they'd drawn. Um, and then game four was played in Vancouver at the Pacific Coliseum um, and the USSR beat Canada 5-3. So Jesus. it was. So Canada had only won one game and, t- and drew one game. So they weren't doing very well, and um, they, they were actually booed off the ice, um, <laughs> Team Canada, by by the Canadians. And I'm going to play you an audio clip. So this is a this is an interview with Phil Esposito, who's a, a, an NHL hockey pro who was on Team Canada, and he's being interviewed on the ice while people are booing at them. And the rest. This of the is team, in Vancouver. This is in Vancouver in the Coliseum. Yeah, I'm going to play this to you. It's from a documentary, so there's music and voiceover, and also. Phil Phil's voice comes into. As a team of outcasts head to their dressing room, one player remains on the ice. Phil Esposito is given the microphone to address a wounded nation. For the people across Canada, we tried, we did our best, and uh, for the people that boo us, geez, I, I'm really, I, all of us guys are really disheartened and we're disillusioned and we're disappointed in some of the people. We cannot believe the bad press we've got, uh, the, the booing we've gotten in our own buildings. And if, if, if the Russians boo their, their players, if the fans, the Russians boo their players like some of the Canadian fans, I'm not saying all of them, some of them booed us, then I'll come back and I'll apologize to each one of the Canadians, but I don't think they will. I'm really, really, I'm really disappointed. I am completely disappointed. I cannot believe it. Some of our guys are really, really down in the dumps. We know, we're trying, but hell, I mean, we're, we're doing the best we can, and uh, they got a good team, and let's face facts. But uh, it doesn't mean that we're not giving it our 150%, because we certainly are. I think, uh, Phil, the disappointment is a natural thing because it, the whole thing was an unexpected thing they you know we all live with the national hockey league we have all been so proud over the years how great they are it's unexpected and, because of the press said that we were so good or not one of well, us yeah, said no, we were good no 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 this is the thing this is the thing that i'm on behalf of the fans i must say that uh that uh, probably since everything is is relative we know how good you people are. The people didn't realize how good the Soviet team was, and now we found out how good they are. I think we can appreciate how good is both teams are. But I'll tell you, we we love, I mean, every one of us guys, 35 guys that came out and played for Team Canada, we did it because we love our country, and not for any other reason, no other reason. They can throw the money uh, for the pension fund out the window, they can throw anything they want out the window. We came because we love Canada. 
And even though we play in the United States and we earn money in the United States, Canada is still our home, and that's the only reason we come. And I don't think it's fair that we should be booed. As I was doing that, people were yelling and screaming at, at us, calling me names. Communism is better, don't you admit it now, and all this other stuff. This is Vancouver. And guys out of the stands were yelling that communism is best and it's supreme. That's when I really realized, man, we are in a war here. This is no game. This is war. It's pretty, pretty serious. Yeah, yeah, but that, that's like, uh, you get, I wanted to play that clip because I thought it was like, a lot of emotion going on, a lot of drama. So, okay, it was, yes, I can understand why he wouldn't like his own country booing them. That makes a lot of sense. The funny thing to me is the music they put in the background of this documentary. Oh, clip, yeah, honestly, it just like, made it sound like it was like a World War II like biop of but that's, that's the veterans. That's documentary. And, you put music underneath to tell people how they need to feel. <laughs> Right, of course. Otherwise, how would they know? Exactly. Yeah. How would you know how to experience emotions without a bed of music? Like, <laughs> um, so yeah, I think I think that I love that clip because he's he's obviously uh, impassioned, and for people to be shouting communism is better based on a hockey match kind of gives you an, an insight into the the emotion of the time and and how important this game was to to everyone involved. Yeah, no. Don't you get that from that, Jesse? (laughs) Well, the music told me, so yes. Didn't the music tell you that, Jesse? (laughs) So so after the fourth game, there was a two-week break, and then Canada had to go to Russia, to the Soviet Union, to Moscow, to play the last four games and try and recover to win the the series. So they weren't even on home turf anymore. They had to go and win in Russia to to, to claim uh, to win this, uh, this summit. All right. So, I mean, that's a hell of a challenge. To not win so, at home is hard. Yeah. So, uh, they, but the, the Russians Canadians, were doing pretty well. <laughs> they, they were going home and they were already in the lead. <laughs> yeah. So, they took the, the Canadians took a few, day off, few days off. They traveled to Sweden and they played a few exhibition games in Sweden and then they arrived in Moscow. Um, they also brought 3,000 Canadian fans with them. Holy uh, shit. To, to come and watch the games just to have a little bit of, bit of support. Um, and, uh, uh, some of the team, uh, Vic Hadfield, Rick Martin, and Jocelyn Girivon, left the team and went home because they felt they hadn't had much playing time and they were a little bit worried about taking part. Um, and th- Team Canada basically found out that the Soviet ice rinks and hockey um, uh, kind of rinks were very different. So the ice was wider um, and they had fish nets draped around the edges of the rink above the boards. Uh, and because the net, because it was strung up tight, you could actually hit the puck to bounce off the nets and catapult it back off the off the nets onto, onto the ice, which is something you've never done before. So that was considered fine. What about checking though? Checking an opponent into the into the boards is like well, there were boards and then there were nets above, so people were able to like ricochet off the nets. So basically oh, there were, were still boards. Okay. It wasn't yeah, just yeah, a giant net. So they, yeah. So basically they just found out that um, they were fishing nets as well. So they'd found out that like the, the, the stadiums they were playing were going to be different. So, um, in the first game, game five, uh, was held on September the 2nd, uh, and the communist party general secretary, the Lord of communism, <laughs> Leonard Brezhnev, uh, was there. Um, <laughs> so basically all, and there's a large contingent of uh, military people in dress uniform. Um, and the USSR won again, five four. Wow! Uh, but despite the loss, obviously this is in a film. This would be the third act crisis. 
Right, of course. Um, oh, it all is lost. So despite that, the fans in the arena sang, Oh, Canada, as the team left the ice. Um, and cheering wasn't a thing in the Soviet Union. People didn't cheer in ice hockey. Um, and the Soviet Good. newspaper Pravda um, wrote that the, the roof of the arena had stood the loudness of the cheering and it remained in place. They were so kind of stirred and it became a moment of people singing Oh Canada. So, that so the of, Russians were singing Oh Canada to the losing the Cana- team? The Canadian fans were singing Oh Canada, but they sang it so loudly that in a Soviet newspaper they wrote about the fact that it'd been, uh, they'd created a lot of noise and the roof had managed to stay on. <laughs> so and that did something that moment yeah um so canada won three two the next game um and they found out that the uh uh they, they basically they complained then that the, the despite winning the german referees had been uh they, they made some controversial the what decisions. referees the german referees okay uh, officiated in the game and they complained that they'd uh they'd not followed the rules and and been a bit biased so um kind of like the american referees for the canadian games <laughs> well, and and the, so the, the the referees are called Joseph Compala and Franz Bader, um, and the Canadians gave the referees the nickname Bader and Worse for the uh, <laughs> for, for the. Which I thought it was quite funny. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> um, so then they were swapped with a Czech and a Swede uh, referee uh, instead to to, to kind like of the start of a joke. It does. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so heading into the. Uh, uh, Eight, oh, so sorry. So Team Canada won Game Seven again by four three. So the there were three wins on both sides and one draw. So this eighth game, whoever oh, wow. won the eighth game, would basically win the series. Oh my god! So, so this is this is where you want that rousing music again to, right. to let you know how to feel. Right. What what would that sound like? That's just Terminator Two. Yeah, yeah. Terminator Two. Imagine that. Just imagine Terminator 2. I can't believe go. I got that from your wonderful <laughs> singing. <It's- laughs> so um, in Canada, uh, much of the country was enjoying, enjoying an official, an official half-day holiday. Students in Toronto were sent home early and a lot of people were sent home from work. And the game began 1 p.m. Eastern time. Wow. Um, wow. In Montreal's Central Station, 5,000 ga- uh, fans gathered around 10 TV sets to watch the game. This was the 70s, so TVs weren't very big. Right. So t- <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was, it, was cast, uh, uh, simul- it was simulcast in English on CBC and CTV and in French on Radio Canada. Um, and it was the most watched sporting event in the history of Canadian television, which was uh, trumped by the 2010 Winter Olympics, finally. So wow. it held that record for like 40 years nearly. That's amazing. And, and the game almost tied 5-5. And if they had tied, the Soviets would have won because uh, of the goal differential, they'd scored more points. So they Canada had to win and win convincingly. Oh, because of the what, sorry? Because they basically scored more goals. So they had... More had, so, well, if they so, had if they scored more goals, how was it tied? No, it, over the whole, oh, over the rest of the games. So, oh, over all the games. Okay, Sport I got gotcha. you. hard. <laughs> um, so, um, basically, in the last minute, there was a uh, with only thirty four seconds to play. The um, the the, goal, the final goal was scored. The scene was captured by Frank Lennon, the cameraman, and the image has become really iconic. Um, 
So Team Canada won in like in the most in the last that the last thirty four seconds basically dictated the end of that whole drama. They left it right to the end to the end moment. So, <laughs> so, so Team Canada arrived back in Canada on October the first, and the team was mobbed by an estimated crowd of ten thousand people at Montreal's Dover Holy Airport, <laughs> and they were met by uh, Pierre Trudeau uh, of Fuddle Duddle fame. Yes, and also city Mont- the city of Montreal mayor Jean. Uh, Gene Draper, who we featured in the episode about the Olympic Stadium. Oh, man. It's a good thing that they won because it sounds like they wouldn't be allowed back in the country otherwise. (laughs) (laughs) But also, the the Soviets earned the respect of so many people. And what happened was then a lot of Soviet players then started playing for the NHL because of this. It given them a demonstration of the, wow. the level they could play at. Yeah, it was um, a hell of an addition. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They were basically so impressed by the by the the training methods uh, and the the kind of conditioning and how, how hard they pushed themselves to learn new sports. They said that um, it was Frank uh, Malovich basically said, if you gave the Russians a football, they'd win the Super Bowl in two years. So basically saying they could take any sport, but they'd train so hard, they'd be really good at it. Um, and then the the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, the, the coach there, Fred Shiro, um, basically started copying the Soviet style of training and applying it to the NHL. And but just basically like boxing lessons no well it, he just he kind of studied how they were training and by teaching the the philadelphia flyers those training techniques they won two stanley cup championships in 74 and 75 by basically going well let's just train like they do and it worked how do they train um i don't know i'll have to, we'll have to that's a, you can go and find out for yourself jesse <laughs> I don't do that. That's what and, I got you for. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's also seen as one of Canada's biggest and most important cultural wins in the Cold War uh, to prove to Canada that they were still the number one hockey country in the world. Um, and they, st- you know, they had to dig really deep. I mean, and barely. Deal. It was really close, man. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, what a story. That's actually really amazing. I don't know why they haven't made a film with Ryan Reynolds and uh, other Canadians, Seth Rogen, all those people. They could be Mike Myers, Mike Mike Myers, Myers, Seth Rogen, and and Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey, a real ensemble of cast of Canadian stars playing that team. And I'd um, I'd watch the hell out of that movie. Just saying, (laughs) it would be a good movie. I'm just saying, if you're from Hollywood and you've got some money, Rick Moranis, Rick Rick Moranis, yeah, yeah, Um, this is good. (laughs) Exactly. Other well, Canadian well, actor other Canadian idols. Actor. Yeah. I'm just saying, it would be a great film. I'd watch that film. It'd be a good film. Let's make that film, but let's do it in stop motion animation. Yeah, that's, like, like, that's a lot Gromit. easier, honestly. Stop Wallace and Gromit meets Rocky. Yeah. Uh, cool. So, did you enjoy that story? I did, and I don't enjoy politics nor sports. So, this is uh, this is quite yes. a win for you, Reese. I got to say, a very big win. I'm yeah. very proud of myself right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, I made you like two things you don't like now, Jesse. Next is Brussels sprouts and uh, scallops. <laughs> oh God! I don't know if I can find a good story about that, but I could just force feed you till you. No, please, no. I'm I'm good. Thank you. It's I'm fine. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, call to action is. Um, I don't know. Um, go to the Instagram page. Keep going to the Instagram page. We're it's doing the Instagram page again? Yeah, I'm going to, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm we're, gonna, we're, I'm, we're doing I'm, the Instagram I'm, to death, unless, yeah, unless well, we're going to describe no, no, some no. new posts for our listeners. No, no, no. That seems to work last time. If you if you follow <laughs> us on Instagram, we do random live streams. We don't oh, tell yeah, you they're happening. Yeah, that's right. We do so too. Basically, I don't want, I want you to feel so uh, worried that you're going to miss out on our impromptu live streams that you can't <laughs> sleep or eat. 
<laughs> what so, happens is Reese will uh, text me like, hey, we're going to let's do a, a quick live stream. And then he'll go up and I'm like, oh, God, OK, I'm, I'm just in my boxers. So I have to get dressed quickly in 60 seconds. And then he goes live and I'm invited. And then I'm just starting to talk. And he's like, OK, that's it. Thanks. Bye bye. And it's been 60 seconds and we're out. And he yeah. thinks this is hilarious for some reason. It's really well, funny because <laughs> people are not- scrambling to say hi <laughs> as quickly as possible. As soon as people start having a meaningful conversation, we leave. <laughs> We're just trying to do our own thing. We're just trying to cut our own path in the world of live streaming. So you won't get a three-hour live stream of us. You'll, all you get is uh, 60 seconds and then we're gone. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Well, have, have, a, have a good week, everyone, and uh, we'll see you very soon. Thanks so much for uh, sticking us in your ear holes just the way you like it. I'll snug up in there. And, bye. Uh, bye. Bye. <laughs> that was fun. Bye. Bye.